2: Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. This is your weekend edition. Again, formulating plans for how we're going to conduct this season. I have the single best draft mind in the Browns media on staff. I got to bring this guy in. We got to really start previewing this stuff early. You know, We're the only side at the OBR who will give you draft content pretty much all year round, and especially as the season kicks up. Stephen Thomas, I'm going to bring on in just a minute, last year came on with us and started to do a weekly a weekly mock but then you know towards the offseason he does it daily but he was doing these weekly mocks that are phenomenal and it gives you a heads up of what players are on the Browns radar obviously in the offseason this stuff doesn't always clear itself up the first few weeks of the college season you start to see some of the guys that are going to be standout players and then towards the middle of the year you start seeing you know what the Browns might need all that stuff and and that's where we start to get a little clarification on who to look at but As the season starts every Saturday morning, to me, it's a good idea to have some content here for you on the draft for your Saturday college football discussion, watch parties, whatever you do, to have some names in mind that the Browns might be interested in. So every – probably going to try to do this every Friday night, Steve and I will get together, and then we'll have something for you Saturday where there's some more – potential podcast draft plans formulating in the OBR back channels right now. A lot of cigarette smoke in the air, a lot of discussions, big minds from both directions. Let's bring in one of those big minds in one direction. Stephen Thomas, what's up, man?
0: I don't know. I got a little nervous. You said you had the best draft mind uh, in Cleveland ready to come on, and I thought, crap, I I called on the wrong day. Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, it's good to be here, and it's good to finally have – I mean, we have about – you know, 0. .0001% of the tape we're going to have and we're going to need uh, before next April. But it's it's nice to finally have something new. It's kind of like. How you felt after the first preseason game? You're like, oh, I have something different to break down. So, it's at least nice that uh, you know we got a couple games out of the way. It's nice for a large chunk of our fan base that Ohio State won their game because I know the crossover between those two fan bases is large. And some of the prospects from the uh, from the Scarlet and Gray that we all thought off all off season might be. Day one potential guys uh, showed that uh, we were right in thinking that. Uh, Nobody's locked anything down at this point, obviously, but they showed why people think those things the other night and had some good games. So it's
2: going to be fun. Yeah, we'll talk about one of those guys here in just a minute. I'm actually tuned in simultaneously talking to you and watching this Virginia Tech-North Carolina game, which, Steve, have you – I'm sure you have. Have you sat down and watched the Virginia Tech intro with the Inter-Sandman? Oh, who hasn't? Yeah. yeah it's a blast, it's, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It was almost like a welcome back to college football thing for me, tuning into that, because it's, well, we'll discuss the Delta situation later, maybe, but like, there's a lot of folks in the stands, and it was just like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. That's the environment. It's like goosebump City when you watch that in, that intro. It's one of the best in sports right now. So um, yeah, well, what, what you do, Steve, lay, lay out real quick let's backtrack we'll talk about the draft in just a second i want to talk browns for like for a few minutes here before who uh this team this team up in cleveland on the lake so oh, right yeah they they finalized the 53 we don't we've all covered this extensively i'll ask you two questions are they done and if they're not done uh hoping you answer the first question no because then the second question becomes null if you don't but uh if you do answer no <laughs> Uh, what areas do you think they could target in, in uh, anything lead up in the next week and a half? I guess we got, no, it's like a week now, a week and a couple days.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we could give the Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski uh, answer that's a non-answer and say, well, you know, of course they're always going to be looking for any opportunity to improve the roster, uh, which is true, absolutely, they've shown that. I mean, they'll make a move pretty much any time if they think it's warranted. I mean, how many speed uh threat wide receivers did they bring in after odell went down last year just just trying to fill that role so if something you know pops out there some market inefficiency or somebody gets you know let go that they don't uh didn't think was going to happen i'm sure they'll jump on it they could roll uh with what they have and they may well want to give what they have a chance to prove or not prove themselves before they make any more moves but I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. You can always use more corners and you can always use more pass rushers. And I think the fact, uh, and I think you agree with me on this, Jake, uh, even though it seemed like a procedural move, I think the fact that they were willing to risk everybody in the edge room behind the top three to waivers means that they may like those guys, but they're not married to those guys. So if someone in the edge uh, at the edge position pops or becomes available for whatever reason, uh, that that's an area that I personally wouldn't mind them uh, taking a look at. I don't think Ephedea uh, Denebo has uh, signed with anyone yet. He would be, I think, you know, a pretty ideal fourth edge uh, down there. And then, um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name from uh, from Pittsburgh? Just got uh, uh, Henry Mondo. Uh, just got released from Pittsburgh. They list him as an edge. He, I, I think, he played more inside. Uh, this preseason, but uh, the Steelers guys that I follow said that he, you know, basically played his ass off all preseason. And and not only is he, you know, big and strong and and can penetrate and pass rush on that interior of the defensive line, but he's fast, athletic, and has extensive experience playing special teams, which is another area. Uh, The Browns lost a ton of special team snaps from last year. Uh, So new guys are going to have to step up. So if you're going to be an end of the roster type guy, as we've said repeatedly, and we're not the only ones, but uh, you better also play special teams because that raises your value. And Mondo is a guy who can do both. He's only 25, 26 years old, maybe. Uh, And, uh, you know, you throw on top of that the opportunity to take somebody that's a pretty good player away from a division rival uh, that's always fun in and of itself, but uh, if they were to roll into Kansas City with this current group, I think they'd be fine. I, mean, I don't think there's any glaring holes. Could use another corner, of course. You can always use another corner. Uh, I, we don't know about the health of uh, Grant Delpit, if they're going to move him in slowly or if he's full bore. If they're going to rotate him in slowly and he's not ready for a a regular share of snaps for, uh, at Kansas City, then I could see another safety. But in that case, they would probably just promote Javante Moffitt from the practice squad, that would be my guess. Um, but other than that, I'm, I don't know where, where you stand, Jake, but I think yeah, I mean, you can always nitpick the, the back end of a 53-man roster, but I think they're pretty strong, pretty solid all over the place as they head into Arrowhead.
2: Yeah, the news to pay attention to is whether... Uh, greedy and and those guys are ready right. to practice right like that's the thing that has to come out i would imagine we saw the steelers trade for is it is it a kilo weatherspoon am i saying that first name right i think i am yeah um they they went out and traded a twenty twenty fifth for him to bolster a corner room that i think is pretty ugly the glaring de- the, gl- the glaring weakness of pittsburgh's defense which is otherwise pretty dang good um, we'll see if that works out, but that's kind of like r- yesterday, today, tomorrow, or really the time frame of adding anybody. If you want them to actually see the field Sunday, because right. you're, you're really running low on time. And I continue to go back to the fact that how long it took, uh, Ronnie Harrison to come in and figure things out in Cleveland, it just takes a while. So yeah, I think they're probably done, but they could look at the trade deadline, We'll see where, uh, you know, usually injuries dictate some of those things toward the deadline, and hopefully that's not a situation that Cleveland runs into. But if they do, I have a feeling they'll be ready to handle it, and they have some ammunition to be able to handle that sort of thing too. So my guess, my gut here says that they'll go into Kansas City with what they have. I think they like it enough to think that they can win there. But if not, I continue to point back. They come home for two very winnable games, so, you know, there's some adjustments that can be made there as you're in Cleveland for two weeks against teams that you should beat. I don't think they'll have any problem beating either of those two teams, fingers crossed, knock on wood, but, uh, yeah, they're in an okay situation, and you're right, they, they definitely have edge guys that they like, you know, but they didn't like them so much that they didn't fear putting them out on the market for a day or two. So... Uh, they're always going to be looking. They're going to be eyes around, and I would imagine that we look back at this thing at the end of the year, and even if injuries didn't dictate everything, that they might go out and get somebody that is on the market available, somebody who comes distressed in another location, the money's right, the opportunity is there, they could do that sort of thing. But, again, if the status quo is the status quo, I'm okay with it. If the status quo stays the same throughout kind of the year, Steve, the roster settles in as we sort of shift our eyeballs toward the draft, what positions could kind of catch your eye you know as like this is a spot that they could there's several I know that they're going to be things that move throughout (laughs) the year but kind of right now as you go into the first portion of the season which positions are ones you you kind of keep looking at
0: yeah, it's uh, it, it's the time of year where you know I know there's some people out there that say they definitely have to do you know this position and well it's September 3rd so you know more power to you if you have that kind of a crystal ball because I certainly don't we don't know who's going to play well in college football go up and down boards uh, we don't even know who's going to declare for the most part and we absolutely like you just said do not know how the Browns season is going to play out and that will have. Uh, much more of, of an effect than it has in years past because we have to look at places like uh, the interior defensive line, the edge room, which we just talked about, the cornerback room, uh, and I, the interior offensive line, not to mention the wide receiver room. All of those at this point could, you, you can make a case that those could be day one and day two picks, and it would be very difficult uh, to argue against it because there are numerous questions, uh, performance and contract based that we will not know the answers to until the season wraps up in January or hopefully February. Um, the wide receiver room, we talked about it ad nauseum through the last drop draft process because of the two massive contracts uh, that there's just no way they're both back next year on their current number. There's a chance they could restructure Jarvis Landry and Odell, and then they both are back. And with the emergence of Donovan Peoples Jones, maybe you don't look Early at wide receiver, but I think that is unlikely. I think it's a one or the other thing, um, it, it, just from a contract perspective, not only a performance perspective. But as as much as the wide receiver room looked untenable and or, or at least questionable, uh, not that long ago, the emergence of Donovan Peoples Jones, as well as uh, the emergence of the, some guys lower on like Jamarcus Bradley and Davian Davis and those kind of guys. But also the unbelievable recovery and projected big year for uh, Odell Beckham, it it may not be as much of a slam dunk to go wide receiver early as some people uh, uh, currently believe. It may it may end up to be, you know, and there's another good wide receiver class coming and I can certainly see them picking one on day two. Um, but as it stands right now, you got to look at that in the, in the uh, wide receiver room. As far as the interior defensive line room, we all know the questions that are going there. We all think Malik McDowell can be something great. He hasn't yet. We don't know. We have no idea what he can be. We still don't know about Andrew Billings beyond this year. Malik Jackson seems fine for this year. Maybe he comes back on another one-year deal, but he's another year north of 30 by next year. Um, Jordan Elliott has shown improvement Tommy Togiai, we think, has long-term promise, but right now is borderline unplayable. Uh, So if more of those questions come out negative than positive, then interior defensive line could be something they look at early. Uh, Obviously, we don't know about the future beyond this year of anyone in the edge room outside of Miles Garrett. Um, You and I, I think, both are in the camp that the chances – of uh, either Jadeveon Clowney or Tack McKinley being back and earning an extension are larger than the general media believes, but we yeah. don't know that. We don't know that. Uh, you know. So, uh, And beyond that, we just talked about it. Beyond those top three, question mark is, is being kind, I believe. Um, uh, the interior of the offensive line, we talked about it all last draft season as well, Again, uh, we don't know about Wyatt Teller's contract moving forward. J.C. Tredder will be 31 and has a $10 million cap hit, and Joel Batonio is almost 30 with a large cap hit. So if not next year, uh, the year after, there are questions looming. Now, they've, they've addressed some of that with their pickups, and it looks like they're doing well, but uh, pretty good interior offensive line class seems to be shaping up, so that could come uh, earlier than a lot of people think. And cornerback, I, I always throw that in simply because it's always on the table. You can never have too many corners. And uh, again, think about it, the depth beyond this year. They spent a first round pick on Greg Newsom this year. We were 99% sure they're going to give Denzel the giant contract extension. So he'll be here. Beyond that, we, we still don't know about greedy. Troy Hill is over 30 years old. You and I both like AJ Green, but he seems far more suited for a fourth or fifth guy. And then be, uh, behind that, who who's there? I mean there's nobody there. So you got to continue to invest in those. Uh, pillar positions, those guardrail positions, whatever you want to call them. So corner is always, always, always on the table, uh, especially early if the right value falls to you. So in a long-winded way, to answer your question, it's pretty much exactly like what you said. It could go half a dozen ways at this point. And luckily for the Browns, it looks like, again, most of those positions are going to have some pretty good prospects uh, for them to choose from. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll see what they do in uh, free agency first, but there's some guys out there at the edge group and on the interior defensive line group that, uh, they're, they're specimens. And if they can progress over the next four months, which is always the question at this point in the draft cycle, they're going to have a few to choose from on day one and day two that uh, could come in and be fun to play behind 95. And, you know, let's say and Clowney signs another contract.
2: I can't add much to that. You covered every angle that is necessary to understand, A, your thought process going into looking at players, and B, the positions that the Browns could need now and could lead, need later. And every year it has a way of working out, right? It has a way of working out yeah. by the middle of the year. You know what they need. You know the things they could look at. And this is different you know, than some years past where – it was trending in 2017, to, you know, 16 toward an obvious number one pick. And Miles Garrett, 18, it's obviously needed a quarterback. It was which quarterback are they taking? Which, by the way, watching Sam Howell struggle here, and I think Sam Howell's a heck of a quarterback, but it's just really nice not to have to care about quarterbacks. Am I right?
0: Oh my God. This will be the third year in a row that I'm going to say, you know, because you'll see it if you follow draft Twitter, uh, you're arguing and arguing and arguing over quarterbacks. People get worked into a shoot over quarterbacks and I will just be, you know, that Homer Simpson in the pool gif. That's me. I don't care. I don't care. It's so nice.
2: <laughs> it really is. It really is. But but like we said, the, like last year got kind of strange. Well, I, I backtrack a little bit. After 19, we knew that they needed offensive line. We knew it was a strong tackle class. Right. We knew they were going to take a tackle. I, I thought last year was the first year in recent memory where they could have taken Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore right. as a wide receiver. They could have taken one of the, uh, you know, they could have taken Quiddie Pay or... um any of those defensive end targets, Joe Tryon, any of those guys, and then they also could have taken Caleb Farler. Any of those corner, pro- it was really really wide open last year, so it could get into the year and again be wide open, which you figure it to be if the Browns are picking at the end of the first round, which right. we all hope for, and they have most of the the key positions on their on their their roster set up. The way we think they're going to be set up and they are right now and we think they're going to translate a couple of those positions into the future it could be wide open again but the thing is like by the middle of the year we'll have a general idea of man they're really struggling here they need to they need to address this position and we can deep dive at that point but for now we're kind of looking at who you pick uh going through your mock draft which this is the draft network doing it this is so early there's going to be a ton of guys who jump up the board. There's going to be the Marvin Wilsons of the board who go down the board, and you can't, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that struggle. And it's moving; it's a moving target. But what we're going to try to do here is give you the names, when do they play, who do they play, so that you can watch them if you want, and then just have some banter back and forth on these guys real quick, talk about them, and then, you know, so when you're watching these games or trying to figure out midseason, be like, oh, yeah, I remember Jake and Steve talking about that guy. And, you know, you can do your own investigation at that point, and we'll have a ton of stuff. Up on the website for you, but yeah, that's the point is to sort of lead this thing off. So you, your first pick, you're kind of settling in the middle, being conservative. Pick twenty five, pick thirty two, but whatever. They're picking twenty-five. I didn't do it. <laughs> who did? That's who did you the have thing to, to
0: remember. It's it's the it's the uh, I said it in the article. If you haven't read it yet, uh, people all, they always that's like the first ten comments. They're picking too high. They're picking too low. Well, I didn't do it, okay? (laughs) I can only pick where the draft network put. They're the ones who put it at 25. And I think at this point, everybody's draft order is based on Vegas Super Bowl odds. So, you know, and that's that's the way it'll stay. You did make a
2: disclaimer. I should have read that.
0: uh, Until week, I think week three is when everybody starts uh, putting, uh, you know, the actual draft order into their – into their uh, mock draft simulators. So yeah, today it was uh, it was actually kind of a nice surprise for today because uh, the interior defensive line, I think uh, we all think is definitely in uh, in the rota- or in the discussion anyway, at least at this point. And a guy that I I didn't think would fall this far fell to me, uh, Demarvin Leal down in uh, in Texas A and M, and this dude. Jake, I don't know how much you've watched of him. I'm sure you've seen at least the highlights. He is a yeah. brick house, man. He is um, – <laughs> holy mackerel. If he can show – live up to even 80 percent of the potential uh, that he has, he he's going to go top half of day one. I mean, he's listed at 6'4", just shy of 300 uh, on the AM website. Of course, as we do every year, we're going to have to wait for the actual measurements to come out because sometimes they're weirdly strange. Um, but he's also, uh, he has that trait that Andrew Berry in this front office love and the versatility. And he has played virtually everywhere on the Aggies defensive line. He can go out to five. He plays a lot of three. He can, I think I've seen him line up at one in shade. I could be wrong in that, but he's, he goes everywhere. He's, he's quick off the ball. He's very strong, uh, plays with pretty good pad level. Most of the time, um, he's, he's fast. Uh, he's got uh, some wiggle in his pay. He doesn't have a ton of pass rush moves, but that could be partly because a has played him everywhere. So he hasn't had a chance to really, you know, focus on moves that are specific to, you know, one particular gap or anything like that. But to be able to get him at the, or someone like him uh, at the back end of the first round, if uh, these interior defensive line questions end up being answered more negative than positive, or, you know, let's just say they have good years, but they decide not to bring back Andrew Billings. Then Malik Jackson goes to greener pastures or whatever reason it is. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have young guys. That's another position, much like tight end. It takes a while to to ramp up for 99 percent of the, the prospects out there. Um, so it, good to get him in the pipeline and, and get him to learn uh, for a year or two. Um, but I think he can come in. And uh, especially if Malik McDowell progresses the way we think he can, to learn behind that guy on the interior uh, would be pretty awesome for him. Uh, that would be a tremendous pick, I think, for the Browns uh, at the back end of the first round, at least as we sit here today in early September.
2: Yeah, it looks like he played a majority of his snaps outside, but but did get some A-gap, B-gap exposure as a shade. And mm-hmm. in, in, in three-tech, he did a lot of four-eye stuff in their defense. He's more Marvin, Marvin or sorry, Malik jackson body type he's not really like a uh i wouldn't say he's even like mcdowell in that sense he's he's a he's a thinner dude he's not he's not carrying around a bunch of excessive weight he had an 88.3 grade last year from pro football focus 32 total pressures three sacks nine hits 20 hurries three batted balls 23 tackles 19 stop plays which is a good number those are plays that constitute a failure for the offense so the data backs it up you can check him out. They play Kent State tomorrow at 8 p.m. I don't know where you would be able to find that game. Maybe that'll be on, like, the uh, SEC network or something like that. But should be a good team for A&M, so they should have plenty of primetime games for you to tune in. They into. play
0: tomorrow or they play today? I don't know. Well, we are
2: recording me. today, which is Friday. I shouldn't have screwed that up. That's on me. That okay. will be your, If you're listening to this tonight, because I'm going to release this Friday night, uh, if you listen to it Saturday morning, it is a Saturday 8 p.m. kick. So, yes.
3: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: It is a Saturday game. The second pick we just watched yesterday had a big strip sack fumble, and as you and I think he might be the topic of debate for a lot of teams about the complete package is an edge rusher, Zach Harrison. Does he have the bend? Does he have the speed to power, vice versa? Or is he a flashy guy? Look, he grew up around the Columbus area. He went to, I think he went to Olentangy Orange just up the road here in Columbus, one of the 17 Olentangy schools that are here. And there were rumors about this kid as like a track athlete, you know? He like a 10, a 10-7, some, something stupid, mm-hmm. 10-7, 100-meter runner. Like he was, he was a phenomenal athlete and... I think you got some numbers here, and then and then we'll talk about his first game. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely a freak show. Uh, there's no question about it. And as as happy as we all were with the one two punch of Greg Newsom and JOK in the first two rounds this past draft, think about you know if they're looking if defensive line turns out to be the place that they're looking on day one and day two, uh, Demarvin Leal and uh, Zach Harrison back to back would be very similar. Uh, it would be I, I think a home run. Um you're right though he's got he's a freakish athlete a 4.447 40 yard dash 38 inch vertical jump and a 445 shuttle at 6, six and 260 plus is let's just say it it's impossible you you can't do that it's it's freakish what he can do but it's not enough in the NFL to be a, just a freak athlete. Now I'm not in any way saying that he's not going to make it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are questions to be answered. He doesn't bend particularly well. Uh, he's not poor at it. I don't think you're better at film stuff than I am, but I, I, I he's certainly not in like miles Garrett's, you know, uh, other level of bend. Um, and so a lot of his, uh, his production doesn't come from, you know, going around the arc and getting perpendicular and, ankle flexion and, you know, all of those buzzwords that you're going to hear all through draft season. That doesn't mean he can't be a, a very successful, but he does need to improve more consistently converting uh, speed to power at least from what I've seen on last year's tape now Obviously, we only have one game of tape from this year So maybe he has and he just didn't get a chance to show it the other night, but uh, that's one area that uh, Draft minds like uh, you know, Dane Brugler and Lance Zierlein and all those guys Daniel Jamria, They're much 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 better at this thing than I am. They all consistently say S- being able to convert to speed to power is 100% necessary, is critical. If you cannot do that on a consistent basis, you're simply not going to be or even threaten to be a double-digit sack guy in the NFL. It's, it's just not gonna happen. So he needs, to, um, he needs to do that if he wants to be more firmly in the day one conversation. I was a little surprised that he was available on day two, but uh, Draft Network seems to be a little more down on him than some of the other uh, uh, places that have big boards and and, um, mock draft simulators and that kind of thing. Now, again, like we said, it's September. That could change drastically by November. It could could change drastically by next week. I mean, they could have him ranked 17th when I go back for next week for all I know. But uh, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I know a large portion of our fan base are also Ohio State fans, so you're going to get to watch him uh, every single week. Those are the things to pay attention to, not just the numbers. I know he's going to have a great year for Ohio State, and they're going to be in national title uh, contention. That's pretty much undebatable. They're going to be a really good football team because they're Ohio State, and they have better athletes than 99% of the schools out there. But that doesn't always translate. So the things to watch are can he convert speed to power, and does he improve his bend? Um, I think everything else, as far as I know, he falls well within the age guard line. Uh, guardrail. Um, I, I've not heard a peep about anything off field or medical, uh, for him. So everything else is great. Um, and even if he's only, let's say average in those two areas, I think getting them on day two at this spot at 50, whatever we were picking, I don't remember where it was um, is, uh, would be a, a solid value pick. Um, I don't know how much you've had a chance to look at him and break him down. I know you've been busy with Baker stuff, so you probably haven't done too much, but, uh, I, I hope you're seeing the same things that I am about those two areas. And I want to make it clear again, not concern, not problems, just areas to watch. Have you seen anything in there?
2: I'll be honest, sometimes I get so spoiled by watching Miles Garrett bend that it's like you watch mm-hmm. other guys and you're like, well, that's not the same, and then you forget that you have this guy who's an otherworldly freak of nature. So I do find right. myself, like last year when we were breaking down Aziz, right? Ojolari, that was a huge point of contention. He can't bend, he can't bend. Well, I thought he bent okay, you know, and I think that Quitty Pay was another guy who caught some of that stuff, and I thought he ended up, and he's right. proven it in preseason. I think you're right. He strikes me more right now as a Jadevian clowny type of bender where he's a little mm-hmm. stiff uh, coming around the edge, but that doesn't mean he can't, he can't do it. I, there's got to be some ankle flexion things that I think some teams will be worried about. Cause what you're doing is when you're turning that flat corner, you know, you got to really turn and have, you got to lean into the lineman, but your ankles have to bend at a ridiculous flexion to be able to keep your footing.
0: It's so gross. It, to see. It, it is. It
2: really is. So he had a couple pressures last night where he beat to the high side, but I don't think the bend on those plays were were exceptional. Right. They were fine. I thought that he got one pressure that way. Um, he was. I wanted to see more of him over that that gigantic tackle. What is his name from Minnesota? David oh, Folili. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'm not sure how to. Uh, we're not really interested in tackles, so I haven't really dug into how to pronounce his name. But yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen that matchup as well.
2: He was like six, eight, three, six, six, eight, 380. Oh, he's, he's a, a massive human being with feet, man. He's yeah, huge. he got. I think he got. I'll have to go back and watch it. But he got Harrison on one snap trap, uh, snatch trap, where he. You know, what that that move is where you, you kind of two hands into the chest and kind of the the defensive lineman's leaning into you trying to create pressure the opposite direction and you just rip him down. And that's a move that James Hudson's like to use so far in preseason. Yeah. And I think I watched it and thought Zach Harrison was like a uh like a like a linebacker. That's how that's how ridiculous the snatch trap was. He threw on him, but that you know that guy's a massive mountain of a human. And Harrison did most of his work on on the defense's right side or the left side of the offense. So he beat this number seventy a couple times. I didn't think the bend was phenomenal, but he's just using athleticism. He just he's just right. kind of leaning into him uh, and running past him and made a couple great plays. It was a great strip sack. You love to see that. He had some really strong run reps. Uh, in that game. Yes. I think for the game. He had a ninety game grade, which was second on the entire team yesterday at Ohio State. This is Game Pro Football Focuses, metrics, a ninety point seven pass rush grade. He had two total pressures, the the pressure I'm talking about first where he almost got to the quarterback, and then the strip sack, which Haskell Garrett, nice, nice uh, footwork from Haskell Garrett. He can move a little bit. Um <laughs> three tackles, four stop plays, had a heck of a third and two stick where he shed a tackle and an over uh, an unbalanced formation this number 70 was from the left side to the right side and Harrison was on that side and if you recall the offense is running to the right side and he made a nice play on third and two but yeah he's a great he's a good player he will be to me kind of in that Joe Tryon Ojalari grouping of guys that kind of in my opinion find their way to discussion like pick 18 and on right pick 18 until a team wants to take a risk on the tantalizing level of talent. He will, he will blow away testing. His testing numbers will be like the the RAS score will be close to a 10 and there'll be somebody who wants him. And I think he's good enough. He's got a great, everything I've ever heard about him is he's a great human. He, he's, he's, he's he's a leader. He's a worker. He's a, he's a humble dude. So I'm interested. He's probably a first round guy, but for now you take him when you can find him on the board and, uh, a ton of fun. Let's move on to the next. Well, high State you, plays and Oregon, too. One more quick yeah. thing.
0: You, you can't underestimate, and it gets done quite a bit in draft Twitter, not so much at the top of draft world with the Bruglers and Jeremiah's because those guys are just ridiculous. They're gurus at this stuff. But in draft Twitter, it gets lost that he is a very strong run defender, and you can't underestimate the importance of that. It's great if you have you know, 18 sacks in college football, that's wonderful. It is. And I, and I mean that. I'm not saying that facetiously. But if you can't defend the run in the NFL, you're not going to – you're never going to be in that upper echelon. It's just not going to happen. If you're nothing but a, a pass rush specialist, um, you, you're not worthy of day one consideration, in my opinion. I'm not saying that's what he is. I'm saying the opposite of that. I want to make it very clear. He, Like you said – has shown and I believe will continue to be a very smart and stout run defender. So, you know, let's say his uh, his ceiling is, you know, uh, Jadavion Clowney or, heck, Emmanuel Ogba. I know there's a lot of Browns fans that think he was some kind of bust, which is, baffles me. But, th- I mean, if you can go to the NFL and play for six, eight, ten years and average, you know, eight or nine sacks, but your run defense isn't, you know, your grade is in the 80s. You are one hell of a football player, and that's a great draft pick. Maybe not top half of round one for somebody like that. Maybe an early day two kind of guy is more the range for that kind of outcome. Uh, But uh, it it should not be undersold that even though there are questions, and even on the strip sack, like you said, you could see it. There was not much bend. He, He would just outclass that tackle and ran around him. So there are questions on the bend. There's questions on the speed to power. There's questions on that stuff. But even if he's just average in those areas, if he is a top-level run defender, that makes him incredibly valuable and attractive to all 32 NFL GMs.
2: For sure. For sure. Ohio State plays Oregon next week. That'll be a noon kick, I believe. So we'll have another conversation before then, maybe if you pick an Ohio State guy. But a reminder for the next time you want to watch him. Next up is Romeo da- Dobbs. Am I saying it right or is it Dobbs? Is that what he, how he, how he I you think it's it? Dubbs. Uh, I've okay. heard it
0: two or three times and I've been unable to nail it down. Nevada's, um, I haven't been able to find their media guide with the pronunciations and everything like that. If somebody has a link, please shoot it to me because I've been digging for it and I can't find it. Uh, I think it's Dubbs. Yeah, Romeo Dubbs, a wide receiver from Nevada.
2: Okay, well, what do you like about him? I'll pull up some numbers here um, and, and let you kind of spout about him, and I'll talk numbers and where Nevada plays. So you can watch it.
0: Well, if you follow any kind of uh, uh, draft folks, you have seen a lot of discussion about their quarterback in Nevada, Carson Strong, and the guy that he is throwing to in most of those, you know, long highlight real bomb type throws. It's you know number seven, uh, Romeo Dubes. That's the guy because he's big, he's fast. He's got great hands. He's got subtle moves. His, mo- his double moves are, are pretty advanced, I think. He's listed at 6'2", just a shade over 200. Uh, I was not able to find an official 40 time, but I saw illusions that he's running the 4-4s. Four uh, the thing I like most about him is every single person in, uh, that, that I saw describes him as quiet, humble, wants to work, loves the film room, loves to improve. If you tell him, hey, you got to work on this, that, and the other, a week later, he comes back, and he has worked on this, that, and the other exactly in the way that you have told him to do it. He's supposedly just a terrific young man. Uh, so that's a, a, a huge thing with this locker room culture that the Browns have built over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, just pull up his – look up Romeo Dubes or Carson Strong on uh, YouTube, and you'll see he's terrific at nine routes and, and you know deep seams and, and all that kind of stuff, post-routes. Um, And he's got great hands and he's big enough and tall enough and strong enough to moss a lot of guys at the catch point. But he is also rather shifty and adept underneath. He is much more yak ability uh, than you would think from a guy his size. He can make that first guy miss like prime Jarvis can do could do. Uh, So if he's over the middle. Uh, And, you know, there's a guy on him and you hit him at seven and a half yards. There's a good chance he's going to shake that first guy and turn it into a 13, 15, 18 yard game on a pretty regular basis. Uh, Great hands. Um, uh, Loves to snatch the ball out of the air with his hands. Uh, I didn't see a ton of uh, body catching. He did have one game last year and I'm blanking on which game it was where he had three drops. Uh, or at least three balls that could have been drops. Um, and I don't know what was going on that day, but it skewed his numbers for the season. That's not, at least from my, what I've seen, it's not normal for him. He's usually pretty sure-handed, willing uh, in the blocking, in the run-blocking game, uh, which is huge, obviously, for this system. No block, no rock. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's not going to you know move people like Joe Thomas, but he does his job and he knows where he's supposed to be. Um, He's just he's got the whole package, I think. Now, are there places he needs to improve? Yeah, of course. He's he's a prospect with another year of college eligibility reme- uh remaining. It bothers me when people say, oh, well, he can't do this, this or this. Why would you want him in, on day two? Well, it's nine months away. He's got a whole season to show that he's improved in those areas. Need to expand his route tree a little bit. I don't know how much of that he's gonna have a chance to do simply because of the offense that Nevada runs. He's asked to do rather specific things, but um everything that I've that I've read about him is he fits this wide receiver room and this locker room and this team and this city to a T. Uh big, strong, fast, and a good human being. I'm not sure what there is not to like, especially if you get him the middle and to the back end of day three, or I'm sorry, day two.
2: Yeah, he's, he's going to be right at the age threshold. He should be just under it. And his stats for the year, last year pretty solid. He got his grade up to 76.4 total, 78.2 receiving grade. Had uh, only 10.7 of his snaps were slot snaps, so he's a wide player predominantly. Uh, did see an increase last year in some slot snaps, so they got a little more creative with him. He was 98, 96% out wide his first two years shifted that up to an 80 or went down to 89 wide so 10.7 in the slot, 17.1 average do, uh, distance of target so he's a downfield guy that you as you have referenced. They they did chart him five drops but looks like a couple games were the only ones that gave him some fits but otherwise, I mean the the number I love is what you mentioned earlier and we talk about the Browns needing yak yards, 12 tackles uh, forced missed after reception so he'll make people uh-huh. miss. You can't bring him down easily. 39 catches for first down, 133.6 rating when passes thrown his way. So pretty phenomenal stuff. 60 catches, 1,020 yards last year on 90 targets. So pretty dang good. Nine touchdowns. He'd be a fun day three receiver. Nevada plays. Uh, they open with Cal. I believe they're at Cal on a 1030 kickoff tomorrow night or tonight on Saturday night. 1030 kickoff. So that that's one you could tune into if you're a late night person. So let's keep moving on down the line look at our next pick uh which is tyler smith interior offensive line tulsa which i believe tulsa just suffered a tough loss to uc davis right
0: uh i i've had my head buried in uh in uh, work the last couple of days so i haven't really paid attention to some of this some of those uh schools but you could be right yeah he's Uh, I know when when I talk about interior offensive line and say the word Tyler, uh, everybody thinks I'm going to follow it up with Linderbaum because I've been (laughs) repeating his name since last year's draft cycle. I thought he would come out last year. And uh, if they decide to go interior offensive line earlier than this, Linderbaum is going to be in the discussion. But this guy, man, he's an All-America candidate. I'm not sure why he's down so low. Uh, on their board. It could be just that they haven't, you know, really dug into him that much yet. Um, But he's 6'5", 330. He's played left tackle his entire uh, career at Tulsa, as far as I know. But again, I rely, I hate it when they try to turn every tackle into a guard at the NFL level, but I've seen it repeated places um, from people whose draft minds I I really respect, and they think he's going to kick inside at the next level. But even if he doesn't, uh, uh, you know the fact that he could, that he has that versatility again. I know people are probably already sick of hearing that word about Andrew Berry's draft picks, but uh, you can be mad about it all you want. That's what they—that's what they like. I mean, look at the roster. Look at how many guys they have at different positions. That you know, can do different things and and allow them to scheme up different ways. So he's, he's super strong. Uh, he's very, he's fast too, quick in, in, uh, in short areas. And he's nasty, much like, uh, my guy, David Moore, who they just picked off 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 of waivers, And I'm super curious to hear you dig into his tape, uh, and see if you see the same things that I do. He's one of those guys that just, (laughs) he loves, To see his guy's face in the dirt, it's just like he – it's Christmas morning for him if he can declete somebody, which, you know, we're Cleveland fans. We love those kind of guys. Uh, Plus, he's stout. Uh, He's got a good anchor and pass protection. He can get out to the second level. Um, And if – heaven forbid any defensive back that gets in his way with a full head of steam – uh, he's, he's going to go blindside on him. So uh, with all the questions that they have looming in that interior offensive line room, this would seem to be a place where this year, uh, early day three, late day two, uh, maybe even earlier than that, you get a guy in, you let him learn behind Treder during the last year of his contract, you let him learn behind Batonio. Maybe they keep Teller and he learns behind those guys. And then, you know, somebody else leaves and, uh, that's where he goes or heck he gives you depth. At the tackle positions, because Jack Conklin's contract is up uh, in a year or two. I'm not sure exactly when that is, but it's coming up. So he's a guy that if you can get him at if you can get a player like this at this spot in the draft, it's always something that's going to be on a front office like the one the Browns have radar.
2: Yeah, he was not graded week one yet. I don't know if it's because they they played an FCS school and they don't they don't pri- not even know, prioritize. Though, since they're only grading one side, I don't know why he would be out otherwise. He did play left tackle his whole career. 203 in 2019 snaps at left tackle. 665 snaps at left tackle last year. Only two at left guard. An 86.2 total grade, 88.4 run block grade, 78.4 pass block grade. Only allowed eight pressures on the year, um, which is which is a really strong score. And in, in 355 pass block reps. You can see Tulsa, they did lose 1917 which is a tough loss to uc davis because their next two games they go at oklahoma state and then you will get to see him against ohio state when you could see him against haskell garrett which will be fun on september Mm -hmm. 8th. well if he's playing left tackle for them i know we're thinking he might be inside the nfl if he's playing left tackle you'll get to see him against zach harrison on september 18th and some of the other talented jack sawyer and uh or whatever how you pronounce his name he got some snaps the you know the big time freshman recruit uh, defensive end ohio state brought in out of washington so you'll see those guys play against him september 18th it's a 330 kick at ohio stadium so pay attention to that let's keep moving um we have another fourth round pick the browns you know picked up that extra fourth round pick you took tyreek stevenson from florida he's a georgia transfer that went to florida right
0: Miami, Miami, yeah. No, oh, my bad, my bad.
2: Yeah, Georgia down to Miami, my bad.
0: Yeah, and, and he's an interesting case. I mean, the athleticism and everything is uh, obvious. Uh, you you can see it within you know three snaps if you turn him on. You can watch. You can see the guy just moves different than a lot of other people on the field. He's a big dude, six foot two, fifteen. Uh, and at Georgia, he was more of that uh, safety slot rover hybrid. He. I, I, I don't like doing this uh, very often. You know, Jake, I'm, I, I shy away from player comps because, one, it's always taken the wrong way, and, uh, two, it sort of puts your brain on a track that that's how you're going to see him, so I try to shy away from that and stay as neutral as I can. But I watched him for about five minutes, and I saw a lot of Homs and mm. uh, before before he got injured at Florida State, very similar, which is very interesting because... As I understand it, obviously, I've never spoken to the young man, but what I read was one of the large reasons he transferred from Georgia to Miami, he wants to play outside. He wants to be an outside corner. And I maybe he can do it. I don't know. You know, we, we're not sure where he's going to line up, but they've been kind of secretive about it from what I've read. Um, but he looked to me like he was, you know, really comfortable playing in that role, which is becoming more and more and more valuable in the modern NFL. So if he could go and... And in that role in Miami and and show out even more, I would think it would only help his draft stock. But, you know, it's, it's his life. It's his career. He wants to play outside. Maybe he goes outside and, and you know, balls out and becomes a first round pick. I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm rooting for the young man. But but where he is right now, uh, I often anybody who's followed me for more than five minutes knows that once you get to day three, I love athletic guys. Athletic guys are who you take shots on. Uh, on day three. Look at look at Demetric Felton. Look at Richard LeCount. Look at Donovan Peoples-Jones. You bet on the high upside because you can't teach someone to be a better athlete. You can teach them the game. You can teach them the position. You can't make them faster. You can't make them bigger. You can't make their change of direction better. It just it doesn't happen once they get to the NFL level. So I think he's a tremendous athlete. Uh, how Miami will use him will be fascinating. How it affects his draft stock will be even more fascinating, but I, I'm gonna bet right now that he ends up going on day two somewhere. I think he's that good of an athlete. So to get him where I got him, uh, what I, I got him what late fourth? Uh, I, I can't remember where I picked him. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, that pick was uh, yeah. That's uh, that's kind of a steal to me. Uh, as we stand right now, obviously, as we've said a hundred times, it'll change over and over and over between now and April. But uh, I was pleased to get somebody that athletic at this point in the draft.
2: Yeah, he's had some some nice. Uh, diversity to where he's aligned you talked about it he's played like last year for example he played 412 snaps at georgia 258 were in the slot 77 in the box couple would creeped in there on the edge of the defensive line uh 55 at corner Uh, he played 50 50 corner snaps in the bowl game so if you were interested if you were a weirdo like us and interested in where he (laughs) has performed best you can go check him out in the bowl game against cincinnati playing wide corner he had a He had a decent game. I think he had a pass breakup in that game. Yeah, his first two years at Georgia, 223 snaps, 412. He's in the mid-60s grade-wise. A guy that, you know, he just needs to play well to shoot up draft boards, and he'll have every opportunity at Miami. If you don't know already, Miami opens with their primetime battle uh, tomorrow, which I keep saying tomorrow, Saturday. Whenever you listen to this, they play Saturday, 3.30. So check that out. You can find him. Not even sure what number he's going to be yet, because he's in. A, he might be number two is what they have him listed here. We'll see if he ends up being number two. Moving on, late round guys, we're going to kind of whiz through these. Round five pick, 167, James Mitchell, Virginia Tech tight end, who I just watched catch a touchdown not, not too long ago here.
0: Yeah, super uh, super athletic prospect. Uh, 6'3", over 250, moves very well. Uh, moves more like a wide receiver than a tight end in my position. Sound like anybody else we have currently in our tight end room. Uh, great hands, um, willing in the run game, obviously not you know going to be an extra tackle in goal line situations, not, not a pile driver or anything, but uh, his, his value in this uh, offense would be in the passing game. And as much as we know, Kevin Stefanski utilizes the tight end and multiple tight ends, the fact that beyond next year, we don't know Austin Hooper's situation. We don't know David Njoku's situation beyond this year. We hope and think they're going to extend him, but we're, we're not sure. And Harrison Bryant, as much as we like him, he's still more promising than proven. So especially at a position like tight end that we we know takes quite a while for guys to learn and grow into an NFL-level tight end, getting somebody else in the pipeline uh, maybe him and Jordan Franks are battling for that third wide receiver or, four, or I'm sorry, third tight end or, or fourth tight end spot next year um, uh, would be a wise decision. And again, athletic. If you can get an athletic guy in the middle to late stages of, of day three, that's a win right there.
2: Yeah, he's he put up some decent numbers. I think he had 26 on 42 targets for 435 four touchdowns and 83.8 receiving grade which you love. He caught 50% of his contested targets. He was 7 of 14 last year. He had two uh, missed tackles forced. He had 19 first down catches. Um, Not a bad 11.1 average distance of target. Inline, only uh, 102 inline snaps. Uh, as opposed to moving around a little bit more. He got 88 in the slot, 11 out wide. So he's got some diversity to where he can align to. 6'3", 255, so not overly tall, but he moves pretty well. And that, that catch he had against North Carolina here was pretty impressive. Reach back high and away from him down in the end zone on a, on a goal line throw. If you don't get a chance to catch that game, you want to catch him coming up. They play Middle Tennessee next Saturday at a 2 o'clock kick, and then the Battle of Virginia with West Virginia, Virginia Tech. At, uh, at noon on September 18th, he should be a fun target to track as they might start poking ahead for some tight ends. So they'll keep trying to draft those guys as often as they can. Again, moving quick, round six, pick 203, Jamie Jammy, Jammy Robinson, Florida State. Florida State's yep. got like 42 transfers in this year that they're playing.
0: <laughs> yeah, he spent the last couple of years at uh, South Carolina and frankly was all over the freaking field. Uh, for them almost positionless at times. Uh, he's in that slot, uh, safety hybrid type thing. Another guy kind of, you know, in, in that Hamza Nasruddin, uh, type mold, 5'11", uh, supposedly right around 200 pounds, uh, quick, fast, uh, solid in man coverage, uh, above average athleticism, not afraid to stick his nose in, will knock your teeth out, uh, if, if, uh, you get in his way and tick him off. Plus his name is, is, is jammy i mean it's probably Jamie, but you know I, I mean how do you not want a guy named jammy come on
2: yeah that's a guy that's a guy i'd like to have man like hey get up and jammy the receiver you know There's a lot of, <laughs> lot of puns you could play around with there uh yeah south carolina the last two years 679 snaps in both years that's actually kind of crazy to have identical snap numbers 421 in the slot 119 at free safety 99 box snaps 18 snaps on the d line only 22 a corner so he's going to be Again, that that late-round uh, player that can move around, right? That, that box player but can play slot. Those guys that don't require high draft picks but can play a little bit. He's had a couple interceptions in his career, six pass breakups through the first two years. Could take a big, big jump, but is also just an interesting player on his own. He's at Florida State. And if you did not know, Florida State has a primetime Sunday 7.30 kickoff hosting Notre Dame, which has a fantastic Kyle Hamilton safety prospect Well worth your time. And two good running backs at Notre Dame, worth your time to see, too. So check that out. Last pick, pick 7. Sorry, pick uh, 221 in round 7, an LSU target you got here.
0: Yeah, Damon Clark, um, it seems like he's much, much lower on this particular board than a lot of the others that I've seen. But, hey, not my board. I'll take them where they are. Uh, linebacker type and LSU has been churning out super athletes, uh, at the second level of the defense for years now. And he seems like he's the next one, uh, to step up. And as much as we all hate arguing about linebackers because it got old super quick in this past draft season, it's another, another one of those position rooms where after this year, there is a lot of questions. Uh, the health of Jacob Phillips, who I know you and I both really like, it will be a question mark until he steps on the field and proves that it is not. Uh, Malcolm Smith is over 30. He'll be another year over 30 by next year. We have no idea what they're going to do with uh, Taki Taki. We have no idea what they're going to do with uh, Mac Wilson, Anthony Walker. I think he is a prime candidate to earn himself an extension here in Cleveland, but currently only on a one-year deal. So beyond uh, JOK and the other rookie Tony Fields that Uh, We have yet to see on the field for anything significant way more questions than answers. So uh, this front office seems to fall into, I saw a G interview with a GM last year, and I'm currently blanking on which one it was. uh, But he said something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, I wouldn't spend a day one or day two pick on a linebacker unless he was exceptional. I can get the right kind of athletes on day three to perform what I need from that position. And the Browns seem anyway to be falling into that camp for the most part. So I would expect day three to have a linebacker type, maybe an athletic corner type, maybe an athletic wide receiver type, uh, pretty much on a, on a regular basis. Uh, so if this guy or someone like him were to happen to fall to the sixth round, seventh round, and and he's sitting there, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Andrew Barry, he's a guy that uh, Andrew Berry would like.
2: Yeah, took a bit of a step back in 2020, but it's a weird season, man. He had 326 snaps in 19. He had a 66 total grade. Far better defensive metrics from a run defense standpoint, 67.9. He had 17 pressures that year, too. Five sacks in 2019. So last year, just maybe a step back. I'm not totally sure. He didn't have as many stop plays. But if you're interested in seeing where the tantalizing potential comes from, maybe cue back into some of his 2019 snaps. But He has a really really nice opportunity to rebound and prove to people why he should be up higher on draft boards, and maybe he will be. We'll see. Uh, LSU plays UCLA in a big opener out on the West Coast. I think that is an 830 kick if you would like to watch. Steve, we covered a lot of prospects. We're going to do this every week. We'll cover – Your entire draft board or your entire mock draft, because I think it's great work, kind of like a little preview, a little sidecar to your uh, written topic that is going to be on the OBR every single week. I appreciate your time, man.
0: Anytime, man. Anytime anyone is uh, crazy enough to put their airways over to draft talk in September, I am a happy man.
2: (laughs) We We will continue to do it. Thanks again, brother.
0: You got it. Go Browns.
2: Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. We are going to have uh, a, another guest tomorrow for your Sunday edition. Then we'll start start looking ahead at different angles of the Chiefs. So, you know, it won't be the norm here. This is a, a weird, a weird sort of week with everything going on. Uh, you know, having a random bye week in between week one and uh, the pre, end of the preseason. But yeah, we should start start looking ahead at the Chiefs. We'll hear from a couple couple different people on on them and 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 start really looking forward to that. And as you know. I started to cue you in on where the schedule will shake out with the comprehensive offense and defense reviews that will happen, you know, during the season and we'll have time for a couple guests. We'll have John Colisimo on every week. We'll have a random guest every week that'll probably cover your your Thursday and then Steve will have a Friday night into Saturday morning. We'll have this one up every week that we can cover cover the draft but also talk about big picture brown stuff too so it should be a heck of a lot of fun thanks for tuning in guys really appreciate it a full day of college football for your saturday that's an exciting thing uh to, to to feel like a little bit of normalcy with your with your with your fall football routine so have fun with that have a great weekend have a great labor day and go browns